Hello, everybody. Welcome to People Play Games. I'm your host, Joseph. It is on this very podcast where each and every week I shine a spotlight on creators that are making the video game industry a better place. Now, last week we talked to Adam Bankers over at IGN who writes amazing articles for the site. And it was all about writing about video games, what it took to get to IGN and what it's like to write for a major publication like IGN. And Adam was a terrific terrific guests and please if you haven't listened already go back listen to that show because he's amazing and i thought well what better way than to show one perspective let's show different perspectives about writing in the games industry and with that i want to introduce rebecca valentine she writes for GameIndustry.biz. it's a huge site that writes for just industry and insider business in the video game industry and she writes amazing articles on the site She is a terrific human being. I was so lucky to spend an hour with her, but it's all about writing in the industry, but as a female. And as gamers, we can understand and relate that the video game industry can be a very toxic place for women in particular that put themselves out there as gamers. So with that, it's all about what it takes to write in the industry and what type of thick skin you need to write, not just for the industry as a person, but as a female as well. So again, I was lucky enough, please check out Rebecca Valentine over at GameIndustry.biz. Her Twitter handle is in the description below. She also is part of the Super Deformed Games cast, so go check them out as well. And with all that said, and with all that out of the way, future Joe, let's start this conversation with the awesome Rebecca Valentine. So Rebecca Valentine, um, hi, how are you? Hey, what's up? (laughs) I was going to have this long speech ready, but how are you? How are you doing? How's your Easter Sunday? I'm doing good. It's it's beautiful. Like, it's the most perfect Easter spring day. There's, like, a cool breeze coming through. There's sunshine. I just baked an apple cobbler. Like, I don't know. I'm not not doing anything special for Easter, but it seems like a day when one should cook something nice. We literally just gave, like, everybody, like, a a chocolate rabbit. And I had (laughs) half of a Reese's, like, chocolate rabbit. Oh, Reese's. Oh, my God. Oh, right? That's They're, good. Dude, I've come to the realization that Reese's are probably more addictive than any drug on the market. Because I can wolf down a king size just like nothing. They're so <laughs> bad. I'll go, I'll go through like a bag and I'm – it's like those and Thin Mints are the things that I cannot have in my house. Mm. Because if I have them in my house, I will just, I will just eat them and mm. not stop eating them. Yeah, Thin Mints are usually not my go-to. But if they're there, I respect it. So Rebecca, you write for uh, GameIndustry.biz. I do. I'm I'm, I'm not going to lie, okay? I'm a little nervous, okay? Because there's nothing that intimidates me more than a strong (laughs) female in the industry. Because you you guys have to, I've come to the realization that ladies have to work so much harder than us stupid men. And (laughs) every time I meet, like, just, again, all you ladies are just so smart and so brilliant. And I just always... I'm not going to even pretend it. I'm going to be a dum-dum this episode. So yeah. I'm I'm embracing it. And with that, let's talk about it. So you're a female writer in the video game industry. My first question to you, just like I talk to everybody here, is what is that first game that you played that lit that fire of passion for you to start writing? So it's funny. It's not even a game that I had actually played. It's sort of a weird story. Um, okay. I... I started writing about games before I was really excited about writing about games. Um, I was in a, 
I was out of college, had an English major, um, pretty boring, pay the bills, I was a technical writer. Um, and I was, I was bored. Like I, I did my work every day. I came home and I was just like, man, I want to do something creative. I want to do something interesting and exciting. And a friend of mine recommended me to, uh, it was a, it was not a paid position, which I have opinions about that. Get paid oh. for your work, everybody. Yep. Um, but he told me that there was a site, a uh, game cited that was looking for video game writers. And I told him, there's no way I can do this. Like I, yeah, I've played Pokemon. I played Assassin's Creed. I've played like, you know, stuff, I have a bunch of Nintendo games, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know enough about games to write about them. And how old are you Absolutely at this point? Not. Oh, geez. Okay. I was just out of college, but okay. like maybe a year or so. Like I think twenty three, probably okay. twenty three yeah. or twenty four. Um, but so I, I really wasn't sure about it. But I ended up doing it. They they put me on. I wrote about you know some of the games that I liked. You know, little games, Nintendo games, whatever. And then I think it was PSX. Um, okay. I think I think it was PlayStation Experience. I can't remember what it was. It, it was one of the big gaming events every year, and I was I wasn't there in person, but I was online covering the news from that. I was sitting there, and they had some. They might have. It might have been when they first announced Dark Souls three, or it might have been just a big announcement about Dark Souls three. It was something to do with Dark Souls three. And I was watching this, and I was like, "What is? I've never seen this before. What is Dark Souls? Like, what? What is this?" But everybody around me was just like, "Are you kidding? You don't know what this is? How do you not know what Dark Souls is? Like, just everybody, everybody was just like piling on me. I'm like, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't have that much knowledge of video games, but like that's when it kind of hit me that I don't know. I, I know enough about this to write about the games that I care about. But mm. there are so many other games out there that, like, I've never, I haven't really branched beyond my genres. I mostly played RPGs and, like, sim games and stuff. And so I really, it kind of clued me in that there are really wonderful things out there that I should be experiencing. And so I spent, like, from that moment, I spent the next year deciding, okay, I'm going to play a bunch of stuff that I've never played before. That's I'm awesome. going to, like, read all the news about all the stuff that I've never played before. And I'm going to learn about this dang industry. And... Like, so I did, and I now know what Dark Souls is, <laughs> and a whole bunch of other things. <laughs> did you get to finally play a Dark Soul? Yeah, um, I played the first Dark Souls. I haven't beaten it. Uh, I really like it, though. Like, I yeah. really enjoy it. I love playing it. I really do want to beat it. It's not, it's difficult, but not too difficult. I just, mm -hmm. you know, things get in the way. I haven't gotten yeah. around to finishing it yet. We have similar origin stories, because for me, it was Bloodborne. In terms of, like, that was the game that opened my horizon up to video games. Like, it, prior to that, I was big, like, online. Like, yeah, story-focused games for sure. But, like, I was more, like, first-person shooter. Maybe a third-person shooter if I'm feeling it. Multiplayer had to be there. Um, like, back in the day, great example. I skipped school for... Or I got out of school early. This is it was great. <laughs> like, we were in a study hall class, eighth period. I left school... When I wasn't supposed to, and I went to GameStop because I was a senior at the time in high school, yes! and I got like I think it was like either Mo Modern Warfare two, it was a three, and so like that was the I was the COD bro, right prior <laughs> to prior to Bloodborne, so that was the game that kind of like opened me up to to games, and so with that, so you're 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 semi like kind of like fresh into it, right? Like what when was Dark Souls three? Was that three years ago? Four? Uh, I probably probably came out four years ago. I think I was watching it get announced. So it's it's been about five years now that I've been in the industry. Awesome. I did. I started at Game Sided. They I was there as a staff writer for a year, writing for basically free. Um, 
after about a year that so that year that I got really like into it and dug dug in was kind of like the the turning point for me where I decided yeah I like doing this I want to do more of this so I really applied myself that year like I I was writing for free which again don't do it get paid for your work your work is worth getting paid for everybody um it it did work for work out for me um but I (laughs) I got bumped up to editor at the end of I think it was about a year year and a half there um at the same time that the site changed names and we became app trigger and covered mobile as well as uh, console and PC games. And, and um, when you yeah. became editor, did you finally start getting paid or was that like, I was getting paid. I was mm-hmm. not getting paid for the amount of work I was doing. Okay. Um, that is, and I also want to disclaimer that with that is 100% not on the people that you see writing and editing on the site every day. Right. Right. Um, those people are wonderful and deserve all the support and love you can give them. Uh, of course. Um, that, like, I was talking to Adam Bankhurst. Man, that guy is just a genuine kind He's soul. He's so wonderful. Oh my he really goodness. is. I, did I fall in love with him? Yes. Did that solidify <laughs> at Paxi's? Absolutely. 110%. Yep. Um, so what did you learn? Like that, that first year as you're immersing yourself in the industry, what was like those things that were sticking to you that were important to you as a writer? I got a much wider knowledge of just games in general. Like mm-hmm. just, just, all the different genres. I started playing more action RPGs instead of just turn-based RPGs. Um, I played a couple shooters. I had never really played shooters before, hardly at all. And I decided these aren't my thing, but I, yeah. you know, they're fine. Like I can do it. Um, I, oh geez, I played a lot. I played a lot more uh, Japanese games. Like I played JRPGs before, but other, okay. like there were other genres. Like I played, I played a lot of visual novels. I mean, basically just broadening my high cat. <laughs> just, <laughs> Just broadening my horizons in terms of genre, but also yeah. just getting really, really good at news writing and um, feature writing in general. Because, you know, if you want to get better at writing, you have to write. Yeah. Like, you have to write a lot. And I did. I wrote so much that year, just churning it out just constantly. And you get you get practice. And you get better at it. And you get faster at it. And you get better at seeing mm-hmm. seeing a trailer or playing a game or seeing a story and coming up having your own ideas about it and not just regurgitating things that other people have said. Yeah. And that's like, that is such a difficult thing as like a content creator that I, I always have like a golden rule of if I, and it's not the smartest rule because it definitely doesn't help like the growth of the channel. But if I can't say something different, I'm not going to make that video or I'm not going to talk about that certain thing if i can't come up with what i feel like is an original thought i just don't do it because i'm just i don't want to be everyone everyone else you know um because i I feel like there's when it comes to like content creation of like any type it seems like there's like a hive mind you could even call it mob mentality of just like here's one idea and it just seems like everybody's kind of bandwagoning yeah do you feel like that that's kind of the same yeah, I, yeah, um, definitely whenever there's a big news thing, mm-hmm. it, it kind of goes both ways. There's usually like an initial surge of everybody kind of having the same idea, the same opinion and just regurgitating that. Yeah. But sometimes there's a really interesting th- thing that happens where a lot of a lot of the sites and a lot of the content creators start having like their own conversation about it. I think one of the more interesting ones that happened recently was the whole thing about Sekiro, easy modes and accessibility, yeah. distinguishing those two things as two different things. Um, but it was interesting to see that unfold over the course of like two weeks, basically, yeah. like, like people responding to the next thing that had happened. And it got, it got a little messy. Oh, it got God, yeah. pretty un- uncomfortable and negative and unhappy at points. Um, but it, it was an interesting discussion, I think, for a lot of people to have. And one that I think a lot of people hadn't 
thought Thought about before maybe in certain ways particularly people who don't need those kinds of things in games so yeah it it was just cool to see that unfold and people people take take something that they had already seen or had learned and then respond to it and then someone responding to them and it just you know cycling on i find like we need that as an industry because we are so young and the people that cover it are so young right like you're in your 20s right and like i know like adam's like in his mid-30s like we're still a very young industry and i feel like we're we're maturing not at the speed i'd like but like we are having those tough conversations abstract conversations that we need to have like i was learning things during that accessibility talk that i never really thought of as a person and i was just like you know coming coming from it uh i was always like yeah no accessibility should be there but i don't think easy mode is accessible or whatever is a, is a feature. And then at the end of that conversation, my thoughts matured. I'm like, no, no, no. Easy mode does mean, you know, being accessible. Like maybe we, yeah. we do need some type of moving slider in a video game to, to help people that just want to play those games, but just can't. Um, and I think that's like a really, a really great topic is, is just like, like shout out to Steven Spawn. Cause yeah. Man, Man, he was doing God's work. There. <laughs> and he, he is always he is always doing God's work, and he's like just the nicest human being. Holy cow! Every time you're having a bad day, he just tweets out <laughs> something insanely inspirational, and it's just like, and I'm just like, wow, man, this guy's a genius. <laughs> uh, we we had him on SDGC a while back, and yeah. I was just like, I get to talk to you. You're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so like, and getting on on track talking about like your first year is what's the next step after that first year? Is it straight to game industry or what was no, no. So I, so I had about a year and a half before I got named editor. Um, and I, I did that for about another year. And during that year, my co-editor Daniel George and I decided that the the first year that we had kind of worked together, we had covered E3 from home, just watching it. And during that next year, we looked at it and we thought, you know, we need to go. We need to freaking go to E3 because everybody else is going to E3. That's more. We need to go to more events in general. If we can only, if we're paying our own way and we can only afford to go to one, we should go, we should make it E3 was more the train of thought. So we went um, as co-editors and there was this moment um, I was on the show floor for, it was was the Xbox event. They were having a press event where they invited all the press in. I think it it was between their, uh, their press press conference and the actual beginning of E3. So it was just the thing where they invited all the press. They had all these games out there for us to demo. And I was going around demoing games. I was really nervous. It was one of the first things that I had done like in person as a writer in the industry. And I was like, oh, I got to talk to these people who made these games. I don't know. <laughs> um, and I went up and it was one of the, and I, I feel bad. I, I need to actually look up and like, remember what his name was. Uh, Cause I told the story before and I always, I always, I just need to look up what his name is, but it was one of the developers of the Darwin project. Okay. And they had just announced the Darwin project indie game, uh, kind of like hunger Games style sort of thing going on. Yeah. Uh, really cool. I went over there and I played Darwin Project. And then as I stood up, I turned around and this this guy was there and he goes, hey, what did you think? And I you know, kind of told him a little bit about what I had thought and what I had seen. And he starts talking. And he starts talking about his game. And he was so excited. 
And he was so happy. Like this guy, this this indie developer's video game, his baby was on the show floor for an Xbox event and had just been shown to everybody during the Xbox press event. Like like he was just so enthralled that his baby had made it this far. And he talked, I had my recorder on and he, he talked nonstop for 10 minutes. I couldn't That's even awesome. get a question in, um, but he was so excited. He was telling me cool stuff. And mi- like midway through, like halfway through a sentence, he just goes, hey, do you want a beer? And he turned around and out of nowhere, he just pulled a beer out of nowhere, <laughs> just handed it to me. And it was just this whole, whole yeah. thing. And I was listening to him talk and I listened to him back later and I thought, this is what I want to do. I want to do this for my job. I want to listen to people who are really excited about these things that they have made, talk about the stuff they have made and how they made it and why it's important. And I was just like, that was it. So at the end of this trip, um, Dan and I sat down at this little taco place in LA and I told him, all right, I'm going to give this, this thing at app trigger one more year. And if I can't get like a part-time or full-time paying gig through this, like get, get promoted in some way through this, then I'm going to go do something else. So I, I pushed really hard that next year. Um, I worked really hard at App Trigger. Um, I also, I did a whole bunch of other projects. I set up, an, the App Trigger's part of the fan-sided network. I, through them, I set up a second site that I ran by myself called Viridian Forest. It was a Pokemon-themed site specifically. Awesome. Uh, didn't go very far. It was really tough to work there by myself and kind of meet fan-sided expectations, keep the site alive, keep it going, and also do all, because I was also working a full-time job at this yeah. time. And so I'm just like getting tired. So that. I ran that for about six months before I said, I, I can't do this amount of work. I need to pass it on. But it was it was a good chance for me to get the experience of running something entirely by myself and figuring out what it took. Um, I started doing freelance work after that. I did freelance work for GameZebo, which is a mobile site. Uh, mobile Nation, specifically iMore. I know they sound, they they did mostly mobile stuff, but now mm-hmm. they're branch, they started branching into console gaming as well. So mm-hmm. I mostly did Nintendo Switch game guides for them. That's awesome. Uh, so you're really big into Nintendo. Oh yeah. How, oh, yeah. How, how did that like come to be? Is that something just like straight up oh, from just, your childhood? Yeah, it's just yeah. what I grew up with. I got into gaming a lot later than most of my peers. I started with, and I tell people I start with the GameCube, and they're like, "Oh, I feel so old," and I'm like, "No, it's not that you're old. It's just I started late." Yeah, my Switch is way over there somewhere. <laughs> um, so yeah, I had I had GameCube, Game Boy Advance growing up, mostly Nintendo stuff. I didn't start. Yeah. I think I got like a PS2 in college, so I could catch up on Kingdom Hearts. I don't know. I got you. Um, but are yeah, you, I did. I did those Kingdom things. Uh, no. I'm sorry, it's JB. I'm fine. sorry, JB. <laughs> sorry. I don't feel that it aged well personally, but I I have fond memories of the first game. That's what I say too. Have fond yeah. fond memories uh, past two, three. I'm glad a lot of people really enjoy it because that's yeah. It's just not my jam. So okay, so no. like you're big into Nintendo, Pokemon is your thing. It is like when I was a so kid. So much. Oh Love my it. god! So okay, so you're doing your own th- thing. You're freelancing, and yeah. so then what happens? Um, so I I did all those sites. I I started pitching as well. Um, I learned how to pitch story, just individual stories to sites. I got two pieces in PC Gamer, which That's was awesome. like blew my mind. They're actually there. I need to check what's in my webcam. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're those two things that are framed up on the wall behind me. Uh, that was my first piece in PC Gamer. I'm like super proud of it. That's um, awesome. So I did that. Um, I had I had a couple other things at smaller sites, and while this was ha- as all this was happening, this was over the course of a year, and I was starting to get really close to my deadline uh, that I'd set for myself at Fansided saying, you know, if I don't get full-time here, then I'm going to go somewhere else and try something different. So I started applying for full-time jobs in the games industry at this point because I had, I now had a portfolio 
Um, I had experience. I felt that I could do it. And I had applied to full-time jobs before. I'd applied to stuff at like Game Informer and IGN and stuff, but I had yeah. I had so little experience. I mean, they weren't going to hire me. Of course not. Right. Um, but I applied for a bunch of places. I, I didn't get a bunch of stuff. I got a lot of rejection letters. Um, and finally, two things started to move forward. I had a gig that Engadget uh, was reaching out to me and they were looking for kind of basically a contract position, but the the amount of work it would have been and the amount of pay it would have been would have been basically a part-time job. Oh boy. Um, so I could have done that and then had like another part-time job, like in food service or something. I was, I was applying at Starbucks kind of at the same time to see if I could make those two work together. Yeah. And then games industry, not biz was the other one. And that one, I like, I was really excited that they had given me an interview and it was a really good interview. Um, the first one that I had with Brendan Sinclair, my now editor, um, he was amazing. It was, it was a fun conversation. Um, but I, I thought there's no way in hell they're going to hire me. I have no business experience. I, I, you know, I've had at this point, four years of writing in the games industry. I have this background in these other things, but no, they're not going to hire someone who's totally fresh into the business side of things. No way in hell. So I had, I was having a good time in the interview process. I was really excited about it and putting all my effort into it, but also, you know, I had no hopes. Yeah. So and Gadget came around and they said they wanted to hire me for that gig. So I accepted. I quit my job. I accepted the Engadget thing. And I also that day I got a phone call in the morning from Starbucks telling me that they were hiring me as well. So I was gonna do mornings at Starbucks and then afternoons at Engadget. Yeah. And I had I usually like sleep on things before I accept a job, no matter what it is. So I told yeah. Starbucks, I'll sleep on it, I'll call you tomorrow. And that afternoon, uh HR from uh, gamer network says hey do you have time for a phone call i'm like That's sure awesome. and they offered me the job so i had to tell starbucks no not a mm. problem i had to email nathan ingraham at engadget and be like i'm so sorry i know i just accepted <laughs> this job but i'm getting hired full-time and yeah. he is the nicest human being he told me of course get the full-time job don't work for us congratulations <laughs> and then followed me on twitter so i know there are no bad feelings <laughs> That's Awesome. Um, but yeah, so that's how it happened. I They wanted somebody, Games Industry did, who had experience and talent, which I, I will pompously Definitely say did. that I, you know, I, I did well. Yeah. Um, but they, they also wanted someone a little bit new and a little bit, someone who hadn't already been shaped by other sites so mm -hmm. much that they were like, I guess, not, not inflexible. Like, I, I don't want to like diss other people, but right. You know, they, they just can, wanted someone who was a little new. They, they wanted yeah. someone who would stay with them for several years and grow with them and yeah. be like someone they could train up. So yeah. That's awesome. it just, I was just the right person at the right time, I guess. And, and how long I, have you been uh, at, at game industry? Because for me, it's like, I see your articles all the time. It will be a year in two weeks. Oh my God. Oh my God. Congratulations. Thanks. Oh my God. So your time at game industry that is, um, I don't know, should I just call it game industry? Uh, you, can, you can call it games industry. You can call it you can call it games industry or games industry dot biz. Um, okay. Either one works. Right. I tend to put the dot biz on the end in emails so that people don't think I'm pompously saying yes. I represent yeah. the games industry, <laughs> <laughs> but we know what we're talking about, so it's okay. And you all are incredibly talented. Like I told you in that little uh, Twitter post that I, that uh, John shared, uh, I used your um, one of your breakdowns for I think was it like 2019. Like video game report in one of my uh, in one of my my thesis that I that I did and she, and literally here's what happened all right here's best story ever so I was so nervous about this thing right um, I use actually a lot of people from game industry you guys and gals out there doing God's work my teacher walks in she's just like nobody did good on this on this uh, thesis 
only a handful of people got A's. She's known to be, <laughs> she's known to be a really tough grader. So I'm just like, oh no, I failed. Oh God, this is awful. <laughs> oh no. And then I just like, and like, she, I didn't see the grade on the website, and she's just like, oh, you did good. You got a 91. I was just like, hey, <laughs> congratulations. I know, because like I never think, I never think I'm a strong writer. I always doubt myself. And so seeing 91, I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> Doubt, doubting your own writing probably means you're a good writer. <laughs> so, yeah, like, how do, how do you feel? Like, I mean, before you're getting all these rejections and, like, you're working your ass off. And how does that, how does the trial and tribulations kind of, like, affected you? Did you, did you doubt yourself constantly or... Oh, yeah. I mean, so I'll put the disclaimer in front of this. I am so much luckier than most. Um, I, you know, I, I tell I say that I worked, you know, four years for this. And that is a long time. Like, and I had a full time job at the same time. And it was a lot of work. I busted ass. At the same time, there are I, I know so many other incredible freelance writers who are trying to make it into full time jobs in the industry. And there are just there are so few full time jobs. Um, so many of them. I got a remote position. Um, so many of them are based either in LA or San Francisco or London or really specific New York, maybe really specific places. And if you can't live in those really expensive cities, you can't get that job and they won't move you. And so there are just, there are so many other writers I know that deserve to be, you know, to have full-time paying jobs in this industry. And it's, yes, it's skill. I'm not going to downplay the skill that, because I did, I needed to have the skills yeah. to get this job. At the same time, I was also the right person at the right time with just the right combination of whatever mystic things <laughs> you need for whatever yeah. job. And, and there are so many other people who would do so well yeah. um, in kind of in the, in similar spots as, you know, full-time writers in this industry. And it just, it just stinks, right? Like, like I feel like I did so much less work, not in terms, just over time, Mm-hmm. Not 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 within that time frame, but like like yeah. some people have been doing this like five, six, seven, ten years. Yeah, and th- that's what I mean. Yeah, so, no, I, I get yeah. it. It's, yeah, it's so, kind of like yeah. reminding yourself and being humble that like yeah. there are so many excellent people. I see it all yeah. the time. Every time I'm like, man, we're we're doing good here, and then like I see someone working working their ass twice as hard and yeah. getting half the recognition or getting twice the amount of recognition, and like. You know, I, I say this a lot, like all the time, you know, all my friends who are content creators, nothing, nothing gets me more happy than to see them succeed way more than like myself, because you know, you know, the level of effort it takes to, to make your stuff work and other people's. And so when you see someone who you're just rooting for, like our good friend, yeah. Joe, after work, I say, I give, he's the best example, best streamer out there. It's just it's not even a contest and like nicest human being. And like to see him when he has like 30, 40 people in a room. Uh, and I'm just like, good on you, Joe, you deserve 40, 50,000, but this is, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, you know, that effort that, that people go in and, and it's, it's something you have to constantly be reminded about because like, yeah, you are beaten, you're beaten and, and raked over the coals constantly when you're making content, not a lot of people kind of see that. And we'll touch on that in a second. But, like, you get to game industry. And what has been your first year, like, retrospective? What, what's the... If you boil it down to Twitter posts, what has it been like? Who's impacted um, you? Well, it's 
It's been terrifying, especially at first, because I've suddenly been thrust into this industry that I have loved now. Um, and, let, you know, the, going to PAX West for the first time and meeting people whose names I have read for years and whose work I have loved and being like, we're colleagues in the same industry now. Hi, it's nice to meet you. I love everything you do. I'm trying really hard not to gush and be a loser, but yeah. oh my God, like, I'm actually met, like, like talking to you and you're giving me the time of day. Yeah, like you met Greg Miller. <laughs> you were on I did. Kind of Funny Games oh. Daily, which you crushed. Oh, thank you. You absolutely crushed it. <laughs> That was, I though. would be like, Ugh. no, but he, and, and this is what everybody told me before yeah. I went on there. And it's so true. He is such a gracious host. Like yeah. he just, just coolly brings you in, but yeah, like all that. So it's been a whirlwind. It's been a crash course in a lot of things that year that I spent, you know, just kind of like learning about all these different games I'd never heard of before. This has been like almost a second version of that year, except I'm being thrown into the business side of the industry. And I am I'm so, so lucky. Again, um, my editor, Brendan Sinclair, my editor-in-chief, Matt Handrahan, the UK editor, James Batchelor, uh, Hayden Taylor, who's my UK counterpart, um, who's been doing this, I think, a little bit longer than me, um, and then Chris Dring, our publisher. Like, they have been amazing. They are so smart and so talented, and they know this industry inside and out. They're, they're just, they're so good. And they have been the most wonderful guides for me. Um, they have put up, with, especially Brendan, because uh, he he's online when I am, and so he just is peppered with my questions constantly. Like, hey, what does this mean? What is this? Have you, what do I do with this? Like, and he, they're so gracious and they have taught me so much. So it's been, it's been just this huge whirlwind of learning all these different things I didn't know. And then kind of this turning point of clarity, maybe, maybe a little bit after PAX, maybe at PAX West even, mm -hmm. because that was the first time I was, I, I was there and I was in groups of people who also worked in the industry and I had conversations with them and I realized that I could hold my own in these conversations. I had intelligent things to say that were interesting to them and I could respond to the things that they were saying intelligently. And it was a huge confidence boost. That's awesome. Um, I'm still learning. Like I still have so much to yeah. learn. I still come in and I'm just like, I have never done anything like this before. What is this, Brendan? <laughs> um, but I, it's been a year now and I, I have a lot more confidence and I have, I'm starting to have like my own ideas about this is, this is something we could do. This is something we could tackle that we haven't done before. And yeah. it, it feels really good. So I, I'm getting there. I still have so much to learn from them. Like I, I hope very much hope to be with them for quite a while longer. Cause awesome. I, yeah, there's, there's so much to learn, but it, it's, it's really been wonderful. Uh, terrifying, but wonderful. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Cause like the, you always have to have like a thirst for like knowledge you know, like, yeah. I like I always like say it's like I always like to view, and I'm always hard on myself. So I always like to view myself as like this can improve, that can improve. Let's learn how to improve. You know, and for you, it's just like, hey, I, I don't know the industry or the business side of this industry well. Like, let's learn. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. that's awesome, and to see people, you know, like not challenging you, but like helping you, guiding you. Yes, that's. Chal and challenging funny. and yeah. challenging. Yeah. Um, so the really terrifying thing actually is we, so because we're an industry site, a B2B site, you know, we don't, we don't chase traffic in the way that some other sites do. We have yeah. other, other ways of making money. We do events. Um, we have a jobs board. We have things like that. Um, but the big thing for us is that even though we get not, I mean, we have, we have good viewership. Like we're not, we're not a small site, yeah. but even though we're not chasing, you know, just tons and tons of consumer industry traffic, people who make decisions in the games industry read our site. Um, my 
my terrifying and weird celebrity sighting story from GDC is I was at the Xbox event for press. Again, it's always at the Xbox events. <laughs> um, and I'm playing this indie game. It's called The Sojourn. It's really pretty, whatever I'm playing. And I feel the air change behind me. Someone is standing behind me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, it's a, it's a crowded room. There's a bunch of people walking by. They'll pass on. And they don't. They just stand behind oh, me. God, I'm and creeped. <laughs> so I'm thinking... Oh, I wonder if that, because when I sat sat down, there's usually a developer at each station. There wasn't a developer at the station when I sat down. So I think, oh, maybe it's one of the developers. Maybe I should turn around and introduce myself. So I slip off my headphones, turn around on the stool, and Phil Spencer is standing behind me, just hanging out. So I hold out my hand and I say hi. And he's just, he's just like this. He's like, I write for he's games. Is, yes, play? exactly like that in his blazer and ID and Xbox t-shirt. That's dope. As he does. And I say, hi, I'm Rebecca Valentine. I write for GamesIndustry.biz. And he shakes my hand and he goes, hi, I'm Phil Spencer. I work for Xbox, as if I don't know. Yeah. And then says, I read your newsletter every day. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> so there's like this pressure, right? Like, you, yeah. we have to get it right. Like, even... Every site, you know, good journalism, you have to get it right. Like, you can't be just, you know, cutting corners and, you know, bullshitting your way through it. But we really have to get it right. Because if if we get something wrong, somebody who's in charge of something somewhere is going to see that we got it wrong. And they're either going to have wrong information or they're going to know we got it wrong and be like, who are those clowns? Yeah. So Your your credibility ah. is on the line. You have to be right. (laughs) And that that is nuts. Has there been a moment where you've got it wrong and you're just like, (laughs) <laughs> like deer in the head. Oh yeah. Moment? Yeah. Oh, multiple. I mean, I I have issued I've issued corrections, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I I try not to dwell on them, so I can't think of a super duper specific one. No, that's um, awesome. That you you, don't you do can't that. you yeah. can't dwell on them, but everybody does fuck up. Like it is it is a job. There is no job in this whole world that nobody has fucked up at least once. It's mm-hmm. it, sorry. Can I say fuck? I'm sorry. Oh no! Yeah. Go on. <laughs> you can. Yeah. I'm sorry. This isn't like a hard R. You can do whatever you okay, want. Okay. Okay. You know. Um, but but yeah, so it it happens, yeah. and you you do everything in your power not to ever let it happen. And when it does, you issue a correction, you apologize, and you look at what happened, and you say, okay, what did I, what could I have done in this instance to make sure that this wasn't wrong? Yeah, and you remember that yeah. for you know the next piece that you do. That's that's crazy. And like so, like after you meet Phil, he it, like did you guys like have like a like a I, I hate to say the wrong word, like a connection. Like, did you guys have like that conversation where you're just like, oh my God, I just, it was, it was it just like, hey, I watch your stuff or, or hey, I, I, I read your stuff and like kind of move on. Or was there like a, like a, I, we talked for about 20 more seconds. I don't think about anything in particular. Um, yeah. And then I, it, the conversation was kind of over. So I turned back around to continue because I was, I was on like a demo timer or whatever. How so I turned around to continue playing the game and he, how do you, he how stood do you do that? Rebecca? He stood behind me and kept watching me. Like he was back there for a good five, 10 minutes. And then he moved on to watch other people play. Yeah. Like he has my card now. He's never going to do anything with yeah, it, yeah. but he has it. That's what I was in the trash somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, you know what? But they held it. And that's all that. Matters. Yeah, he did. The, yeah. I'd be just be like, man, Phil, Real talk, you're a dreamy, dreamy dude. That's oh, what no, I would no, say. No. You, know? <laughs> you know, like I can't tell Phil Spencer. I, can, I don't see a ring. I don't see a ring, Rebecca. So <laughs> I'm gonna go in. You know, I'd be like, listen, we're just a couple of bros. <laughs> oh my god! I if you ever do that, I want to know about it. Right. That's that's great. I if hope I, you do. Yeah, like there there are so there are like a few people that like I would legitimately freak out over. And I have and made myself look like an ass. Like I met Jeff Keeley at PAX East. 
softest nice. hands in the industry. I'm saying that. <laughs> I right should have. Right I saw him at a Nintendo event at GDC, and yeah. I did not go introduce myself, even though I've interviewed him Skype before. And I should have just gone up to him and been like, "Hey." It was just a, a whole lot of hi. Thank you so much for what you're doing. This means a lot. Thank you for ditching yeah. the monkey. I love the new statue. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> and then I met Andrew Renee immediately afterwards. Oh. And I like I was just like Andrew, I'm coming in from a high. This is incredible. I just met Jeff Keeley, And then I started fumbling for my phone and she just straight up snatched it from me. She's like, I got this. And she found her angle in a second. I got really upset about that because I don't have an angle that's anywhere decent. Like you could 360, nothing. You know, it's, but yeah, like, how do you, how do you get it together? And this is a, this is a, like a motto, Yamato advice for me because my biggest, my biggest thing is like, I don't belong here. Oh yeah, you imposter know? syndrome's a yeah. bitch. And I don't want to. I, I. What am I going to say to Phil Spencer? You know, I'm not really going to say he's dreamy, and I, you know, <laughs> I want to know what type of shampoo he uses for his hair. The conditioner's on point. I can't say that to Phil Spencer. <laughs> he's just gonna like. He's like, oh yeah, that's nice, and then they tase me. You know, <laughs> um, he's like you. another one. You know, <laughs> he's like another one that wants my shampoo never. So oh, like, how how do you? <laughs> How do you, like, I guess, garner the courage? Oh, what do you say to yourself before you're on games daily? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I just, I, I get freaked out beforehand and I tell myself, okay, you, you have to have your shit together. You do, yeah. you, I don't have any other option, right? Like yeah. my options are have my shit together or not. And if I don't, then bad things happen. So, yeah. I mean, I, I guess like the big thing is to remember that these people are also other human beings. Like they also, you know, have lives and families and they, you know, make bad dinner decisions sometimes. And they, I, I don't know, they, they fuck up too. And yeah. they're normal humans with emotions and stuff. And you just, I don't know. You just like talk to other people like normal human beings. And I think that's, that's like the most humbling and beautiful thing, but it's, it's really cool to be able to meet people like that on the level of coworkers or colleagues or not, not in Phil Spencer's case, like in the case of other writers In Phil Spencer's case, he's still kind of like way up there. Um, but that, that was the really cool thing about the events that I've been to so far. I got to meet Kat Bailey from us gamer, who is basically my idol. I will never have as much composure as that woman, but Oh my God, is she just like, so cool in yeah. every situation. Um, Alice Bell from Rock Paper Shotgun. She's like the best reviews writer on the internet. I admire her so much. Um, just, you know, meeting these people whose work that I have read and loved. Um, Kim Wallace uh, over at Game Informer as well. I met her yeah. at GDC. She's just amazing. So, and so like, nice. Talk about the ladies of the industry because uh, <laughs> you're a female writer, and I feel yeah. like. Man, you're getting it from multiple angles here because you say something, you write something someone doesn't like, boy, oh boy, they're going to give you something. They're going to give you, you know, the worst. <laughs> and then you're also like a female, right? You identify that as, as one and mm-hmm. that comes with its own, unfortunately, baggage because this is a male-dominated industry. And I feel like... You know, there's already this narrative like game journalists don't actually play games and then you can't be a lady and play games. It just doesn't doesn't compute. And God forbid you're an attractive lady and you play games and then just it's just like it's just I just can't imagine being a woman in the industry, Rebecca. I really can't. It like it I'm so lucky I'm just a fat Hispanic on the internet. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) But like you're talking about your your idols. 
why aren't there more women being represented, not just in the, uh, the lead protagonist, right? Like Aloy. I love Aloy. She rules. Oh she my God. Literally, she's, so, she's so beautiful too. <laughs> so much. She's literally like, she's, I think you top three protagonists in a video game for me. Cause I just see myself as Aloy. Aloy is a person I would want to be. Um, but like more than just video games industry, you know, like, yeah, like I know you, Rebecca, but like there's, it seems like it's just a boys club, right? So what what is the the problem there? Is there is there just the narrative of this is a guy industry, or is there like something deeper to that? So there's a lot of things going on here. Um, yeah. One I think is that for years, women have always played games, and women women have always loved games um, for a long time. There and, and we all know this for a lot. When I was growing up, especially video games were a, a guy thing. Yeah. Um, even if women were playing games, um, they were just considered by everybody to be a very guy thing. And I, I'm sure someone who is better at history and culture could educate me as to why that even was. But I just remember that very keenly growing up. And I played games, and the attitude that was always taken towards me was that I wasn't like the other girls. Um, I was special because I played with the guys and that made me feel so cool and so important. And now that I'm an adult, like I look back and I see, wow, that really made me feel antagonistic towards other women who just didn't happen to like the same thing I did, or maybe felt excluded from those spaces, even though they wanted to be a part of them. Yeah. Um, so, so there's this historical, you know, attitude about that. Um, the industry doesn't it doesn't necessarily move slow, but I think in terms of getting people into it, it moves very slow. I was talking about this earlier. There's so few jobs in journalism. Yeah. It's really hard to get people in. Um, when the overwhelming majority of people applying, that was the issue we had at App Trigger because we got I was on the I was one of the two people who decided, okay, we're gonna take this person onto our team or not. We got a good 95% of our applications ballpark stat, but about that were white guys. Which when that's the when those are the only people who are applying, basically, then those are the people you hire. Yeah. Um, and, and so, so there's that, I, there are more, there are obviously, there are way more women there, there, the diversity is the diversity of people who are willing and able, I think able is a big one too, because you know, when, when you're excluded from spaces, you don't want to show up in them for various reasons. Yeah. But I think, I think diversity is getting better. Um, yeah. it's improving, but the industry moves very slow. And so it is, we are very slowly hiring more women and more diversity in other areas too, but it's, it's taking time. Yeah. And it needs to go faster. Yeah. So, so yeah, we are we are seeing a lot more women writing about games. Um, we're seeing growing numbers of women game developers in all different sectors of the industry. Um, I, I don't have those stats pulled up right now, but yeah. we look at them every year at the growing numbers of. It's, but it's so slow. It's just it, it's yeah. increasing, but just at a dang snail's pace. And I, I think there's still some of those attitudes. I mean, we saw last year that amazing expose that was done about Riot Games. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was Riot, right? Like, yeah. am I not? Am I conflating? Yeah, names? The, the yes, yeah, the yes. Okay, sorry. There, toxic, there were multiple toxic work environments. There were multiple really bad pieces last year, and I want to make sure that I'm not yeah. pinning problems of one studio on another. Yes, yeah. Riot Games, um, done by Gita Jackson, who is or no, no, not Gita Jackson. Shit. Ah, we got this. Somewhere. I'm gonna get this right. Okay, get this. I'm sorry. I feel so bad now. I should remember these things. Uh, who wrote that? Oh crap. Gita Jackson's also really cool, though. <laughs> But yeah, don't worry, don't worry. Yeah. We'll anyway, find it. We'll um, so yeah, that 
amazing expose, you know, pointing yeah. that out, that there's just this culture in the studio that pushes women out. Women don't get into executive roles. Women don't get into, they get into lower and level roles. And then how do you feel out, about you know? that argument of like, well, you know, you know, if they were good enough, they'd be the executive, like that type of like, no, nonsense. because, because there's, a, there's very much, there's very much a double standard for women, right? Like yeah. if you are, if you tend to be more in that, you know, nurturing and, you know, emotional and the role that is typically attributed to women, then you're considered too soft and too, you know, you, uh, you don't have what it takes. Who was that? Was it uh, Celia D? Yes. Celia, yeah. Oh my God. Cecilia. Yes. Uh, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. Trust me. She, she's probably be like, she's got so this. amazing. I love her so much. <laughs> uh, she's, she's doing really fucking amazing work over there with, um, they've started doing a lot of really great um, businessy kinds of interviews and things like that over at Kotaku. Like they're, they're really, really stellar anyway. um, Yeah. So, so there's that. And then there's the other side of it too. So being pushy, um, if you start speaking up in meetings, if you start, you know, being assertive and making yourself known and seen and being a leader, then people are like, who's she? She's such a bitch. Why is, why is she so loud? Why is, why is she acting like this? Um, You know, she's, yeah, so so it's both, right? Like you can't you can't win, no matter what. Yeah, and like, I if, have been if, incredibly. For- oh. If you're being forceful and a woman, you're being a bitch. If you're being forceful and a man and a man, you're being assertive. Yeah, and there's like yeah, it's the gender thing. roles. It's like a whole cobweb of shit. Yeah. <laughs> really, right? Right. Uh, so, and it's, it, it is getting better. It yeah. is getting better. And I I personally have been incredibly fortunate. I have worked. I have worked with, I've been unfortunate in that I've worked with very few women on a podcast that's all guys. I work on a staff that is, there's one other woman, but she's in, Charlotte's in business dev, so I don't get to work with her very much. She's not on the editorials bylines. Um, When I was at App Trigger, like I said, it was almost all guys. We had like one or two women come through and they didn't stay for all that long for unrelated reasons. But um, yeah, so, but but they've all been wonderful. Like I haven't ever like that. I haven't ever felt that by being, you know, more assertive, I was being considered a bitch or that by being more nurturing or more emotional, I was, you know, being, Oh, just a typical woman. Like everybody has been wonderful and supportive of who I am at the same time by being the only woman on staff. There are times when, you know, even if these guys are wonderful and kind and great in so many ways, there'll maybe there'll be like an opinion that's thrown out there or maybe, you know, some sort of idea that we're talking about where there just is no, the perspective is very much all from the guys. Yeah. And there are things that they haven't necessarily thought of. And so it's on me entirely to bring in this other perspective every single time. Of which I also, usually I tell my guests this and I forget. If I say something that you're just like, Joe, you're being a dum-dum, you just say, <laughs> Joe, you're being a dum-dum. And then just educate me. Um, uh, that's what I was, I, I said to, um, that's why I say to everybody here because I want to make sure that I'm learning just like everybody else who may be listening, who's who's open to being wrong or saying the wrong thing going, you know what, but what's the right thing instead of being very defensive about it? Because nobody wants to be look like an asshole. So if I'm being an asshole in any which way or form, Rebecca, slap me in the face. You got my... You no, got you're my doing opinion. great, man. Uh, with that, like when we're talking about role models, you just threw a whole bunch out. Uh, who is that one person that like you look at in the industry and you're just like, man, man, that's what I want to, that's what I want to aspire to be. I mean, definitely who I mentioned before, Kat Bailey. I I, I will never have the chill she has. Writing is 
Like, like I love reading stuff that she's written. She, she is so wonderful at argumentation and at again, like what we said earlier, like having coming up with, you know, angles on things that no one else has come up with yet and just laying them out really, really well and intelligently and with everything that you need and no, no fluff, no extra fluff. She's also from what I hear from an incredible editor. Well, um, just in terms of helping people come to ideas and come to conclusions and shape their writing i am not personally with her i would love to work with her someday um <laughs> and she's also just really encouraging like i i've gotten to hang out with her twice now since we're both people in gamer network and mm-hmm. i just i just like basking in her presence that's awesome yeah. for <laughs> me actually one of my big like role models is like an andrea renee because what she's done like i've i've followed her since she was like on the escapist i believe I was, like, in the mid-2000s. And then she just disappeared. I had no idea where she went. And so, like, seeing, like, What's Good Games out there doing really awesome work, it kind of, like, gives me... And I've been needing to, like, write them a nice, like, letter saying, keep up the good work. But, like... um, Their podcast reminds me of the Rey moment in Star Wars, where, like, Rey is one of my favorite characters in that series. And my favorite moment in of Star Wars is in The Force Awakens when she force grips the lightsaber, it's in her hand, she turns it on. Because all of a sudden, anyone could be a Jedi. And then at the same exact time, uh, a little girl just got her Luke Skywalker. And that filled me so, like, seeing a little girl in a Rey costume, oh my God, I get emotional just thinking about it. It's awesome. And so, like, to me, I see women whether they're teenagers or you know little girls out there they're looking at like what what you're doing what andrea's doing what all the strong work and amazing work that women are doing and they're getting their ray they're getting their luke you know and that's that's what makes me so happy i don't know it's i'm a nerd (laughs) and there's no good segue Aren't, aren't we all here right but there's no good segue for this one as a female have you ever felt like you got somewhere or didn't get somewhere strictly? And you don't have to name names or whatever, but do you, have you ever felt that like, oh, I'm, I, I got here because I'm a chick or I didn't get there because I'm a chick? Was there any type of feeling? I haven't, I haven't felt that way personally in either direction. Like mm. I said, I think that the places that I have tried to get to and the places that I've gotten into have been of really intelligent and thoughtful and good guys i mean obviously i don't know it i mean it is a little bit intimidating to be the token i don't want to say the token diversity because i don't yeah. because that is implying that that's why they brought me in and yeah. i i don't think that's true i don't yeah. think that's true with games industry if, if i ever start thinking that then i'm sure my confidence will just come crashing down entirely yeah. and imposter syndrome is already a bitch as we've covered uh, but i i don't think that's true i do yeah. think that like i said th- there's additional pressure to be you know the voice of diversity on staff when Mm. that kind of thing happens and there also is i I mean people people in the comment section are on you people people post your shit on kotaku in action i mean you know that's yeah and they do that anyway but yeah i I don't know there's 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 just kind of increased pressure and i know i know that that way um, i'm sorry you cut out a little bit what was that um, I, I know that there are women who have felt that way, so yeah. I, I don't want to I don't want to diminish any experiences. I absolutely yeah. believe it's a problem. It's you, just not one that I personally have experienced. Do you think that's kind of like kind of the addition to imposter syndrome as well? 
Yeah, I mean, maybe yeah. maybe a little bit. Again, I, I try that because if I did, it would just sort of pile on whatever yeah. I am dealing with that. But I, I have very much been made to feel that I was welcome and that I deserved to be in the space that I was in on all the teams that I've been on so far. And so, yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't feel that personally, but I know that a lot of women probably. Yeah. And don't feel that way because your work is fucking stellar and amazing. Thank you. I really, I really Thank mean that much. bottom of my heart. Cause again, like we'll get to the next notion. How do you deal with those comments? Like, how do you deal <laughs> with the comment section? How do you like, cause to me, nothing angers me more when I hear someone go like, she's only there because she's a woman. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't gotten that particular one. I, I do. We, we're also very, again, I'm very fortunate to be where I am. Games Industries comment section forces everybody who signs up to comment to actually work in the industry and That's have awesome. a work email and give their actual first and last name. And as a result, because we're an industry site, like we don't, yeah, we true. don't need just like, I don't know, Joe twitch fan yeah. 27 no offense to that person or loco 720 no scope sniper yeah XX. coming in and yeah. just spamming our comment section which you know it does it does end up excluding a lot of people who might have thoughtful things to say but it also keeps a lot of riffraff out and yeah. so we our comment section is usually pretty chill on our site however you can we can moderate our own comment section i can't moderate the rest of the internet so anytime any of my stuff ends up on Reddit, anytime any of my stuff gets shared around on Twitter, because we still have Twitter replies that people yeah. can comment on. And then my own mentions now, I about when I hit a little over a thousand Twitter, I think people would actually find my handle after I wrote an article and be like, hey, this was really stupid or just just really dumb comments. Mm-hmm. Um, usually when I was writing about diversity or, you know, some other issue that, you know, people think they have opinions about and their opinions are terrible. Um, you know, usually things like that. Um, but just people who would come in and I I don't know, I I can't even think of examples. I put them out of my head, but I usually just very nicely tell people that's okay. You'll get over it. And then I block them. Um, I realize that that's not going to be a solution for the rest of my life. Um, because that's, that's the fear, right? Like, again, I, I've been so, so lucky. I haven't dealt with a ton, just piles of people in my mentions saying terrible things about me yet. I've dealt with little bits and pieces here and there. It's always been manageable, but I see, you know, these incredible other people, um, whether they're women, whether they're people of color, whether they're people, you know, who are don't happen to be straight and are very um, loud about that. You know, wh- whatever the case, <clears throat> yeah. um, I see these people who write these incredible things and then I see their mentions after and I see their stuff get posted to really terrible Reddit boards or, you know, whatever. And I see what happens to them. And so I'm constantly like whenever I write something, I wrote a piece on diversity in esports at the end of the year last year. Mm. And it fortunately didn't get picked up in too many places. So it was okay. But I think, okay, I dodged the bullet for another day. Yeah. What, what is it going to be? What is the thing going to be that I'm going to write that is going to get me doxxed? Like that's, that's kind of like the constant looking over my shoulder thing. Like, yeah. eh, is it going to be today? Nope. I'm safe for today. But I, I want to keep growing in this industry. Yeah. I don't want to stop. I don't want to stop, you know, trying to get people to pay attention to the issues in the industry or, reading my work or yeah. you know whatever it is but you know the more you grow the more likely that's it's gonna happen and, yeah, yeah probably and, will. you know that's why putting putting this podcast up number one fear that is that is like someone's gonna dox me and someone's gonna just i mean i've been called every name of the book but like when it's when it's something bigger than me like example i did 
I did like a video back back in the day about Tracer being a lesbian or in a whatever, and um, and I and I just said, does it bother me? It's cool, whatever. And as long as Blizzard wrote that in because they wanted to be inclusive and it makes sense, and it just doesn't feel like a we got this, uh, you know, to be put on a pedestal or to be praised. That's awesome. Then that's great. And then like I got comments where I, f- I feel like the most hurtful ones you look at aren't even directed towards you. Like I've gotten death threats and they don't even come near the the one comment I got where like someone called being gay a mental illness and like that fucking angered me because like most of my friends are are, are part of the LGBTQ you know um, and it's just you know how hard other people struggle. And to see just like that venom is just disgusting. But like, how do you, I know, I know there's no like solution, you know, you know, one solution to it, but how do you, how do you fight that? How do you fight that negativity? Is it, is it doing like what John does? And he's just like, I'm on Twitter and I'm going to be fighting some <laughs> folks today. Let's, let's fucking go. Bro. Such <laughs> like what? That is one solution, um, yeah. and I, I think that's part of the solution. I think the solution, you know, yeah. we're never going to get rid of all the assholes. No, they're going to stop being assholes. But yeah. it's to keep talking about it, about things like that in a positive light. Um, to keep writing articles about diversity and keep writing about why it's important and why we care about it, and keep being, you know, I'm a woman. I'm also buy like that. So keep being visible about that too and make yourself visible in positive light because the real, the real danger in someone, you know, saying something terrible about, you know, being gay is a mental illness or whatever. Someone, someone saying that is, is terrible and it's hurtful to people who hear it. It's, I think this is maybe a bad opinion. I think it's maybe even more hurtful to the people who think they might be gay or, or are, and, or know they are, but haven't come out yet and haven't said anything about it yet because they see that and they think, Oh God, I can't talk about this. Here's another I, reason why I, I can't be do in the this. Closet. Yeah. Maybe I am mentally ill. I don't know. Like people, mm-hmm. people that's a, and that's like so dangerous, but then they see other people are being visible or, you know, in the case of being a woman, like maybe women see people, women getting shit on the internet and they think, God, I don't want to write about games. I would never, I, or I would love to write about games, but I don't want to deal with this. Yeah. So, you know, you, you got to keep being visible and positive and, continue doing it in spite of the garbage um, yeah. because that's how, that's how you normalize it. That's how you make it clear that the people who are shitting on you in the comment section don't have power over you. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I entirely understand why people who have gotten docs or people who have gotten just, you know, horrible death threats constantly or whatever. I understand why they feel the need to bow out. And I don't ever want to shame anybody who has done that because you've got to make, you have to make the decisions that you can make that you need to make to protect yourself. Yeah. But if you feel safe enough and feel that you can make the choice to keep, keep doing what you're doing and keep writing and keep making sure that those diverse voices exist in gaming or whatever industry you're in, then keep at it. Yeah. Keep fighting the good fight. That's like, honestly, God, like, uh, you know, the the person that I always see get the most shit is like someone like Anita Sarkeesian. And like, I would have bowed out after the first bomb threat, you know? Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that, that's, I think you're, you're dead on. Right. I, I don't think that's a bad opinion whatsoever. I feel like if you are being put down indirectly, 
then that's just another excuse to be in it, be in the closet or to not speak up. But I think what what society has shown most of the time um, is that there's that silent majority that is is just like they're not in the comments, they're not spewing hate. But like, if you ask anybody, hey, you think women representation should be could be better in video games? They're going to say yes, but they're not in the yeah. comment section about it. Um, you know, like people who shout and people that, you know, throw their hands up in like just like type of disgust, just lash out are usually the weakest people in the room. And so like those people that are yelling and whatever, they're just they're just miserable people. And the only way you make the industry better is you have those hard talks. You know, like you, you mentioned it earlier about like accessibility. It's like that was a tough conversation for a lot of us to have, but it was a conversation that was needed. It was one where I learned a ton, too, because I I do not have any needs for accessibility options in the games that I play. I have no no needs whatsoever like that. And so I I learned a ton just listening. I mean, yeah, there were a bunch of real shitty people in the conversation, but reading the people pushing back against them, I was like, wow, these are things I have not ever thought of before. Yeah. These are things that I am happy to have learned. Yeah. And I mean, I, yeah, like I got, I got hopefully a little bit wiser and hopefully a little bit better equipped to where I can, you know, stand up for those kinds of options in games. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like, Hey, listen, I'm not affected, but like what, what would be the problem? Like you see, like the the conversation was like, I don't want to dictate the creator's vision, but then like you see creators like Corey Barlow go, wouldn't affect my vision actually whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's that's another case where it's really good for developers that conversation happening mm-hmm. to look at that and listen to the people who are calling for accessibility and say, oh, this is really important to a lot of people, including people it doesn't directly affect. Maybe we should take that into consideration on our next game. So even if they're not saying it out loud like Corey Barlog did they're still seeing it and it's sitting in the back of their mind. And yeah. the next time they make a game, maybe they're thinking, maybe they're on the fence about an option or something that would help people who have accessibility needs. And maybe they think back to that conversation and they think, you know, maybe we need to put in the time for this where they and, wouldn't have thought that before. And do you think that same, I, I, I would like to say yes. I'd like to be positive. That same conversation is being had about representation. Like, you know, we just oh, talked yeah. about Aloy, right? And like you're seeing now and like more and more games are having, strong female leads that aren't just like here's her tits <laughs> you know like they're yep. just like or like ellie kissing uh kissing that that chick it was just like yeah that was fucking awesome <laughs> right so good i didn't see it i was at the press event and i was like three quarters of the way back in this weird like barn thing they had set up and everybody i'm five three everybody was taller Aww. than me i was really want to see this i think they're smooching <laughs> and it's and it's not in the like, hey guys, two chicks kissing each other, isn't no, that? No, cool? it was so sweet and so good. Yeah. Ah. and it was just like, like it's those things, man. It's just yeah, changes are happening. Uh, yeah, no, and I think it is. I really do think there have been a lot more games, especially indies, but even now, like AAA games coming out uh, with just really wonderful. Uh, women heroes, uh, people of color. Also, in games where you can choose your protagonist, a lot of really great uh, customization options coming out. Um, one of the big ones for me that I thought was great was Animal Crossing. Happy Home Designer let uh, people choose their skin tone in an Animal Crossing game for the that's very dope. first time. That's that had dope. never happened before. And that's that's such a small and obvious thing. Pokemon's been doing it, too. 
Um, and, and the options still aren't great. Like they're, they're not perfect. There's like five options kind of, you know, in there, but, but it, it, it's a step forward. It's something that people have been asking for. It's Nintendo recognizing that, yeah, more than just white dudes play our games. Yeah. Um, I remember how stoked I was when I picked up Pokemon Crystal and I could play a girl like what the hell. And she looked cool. She had like <laughs> spiky blue pigtails and had this like gung-ho expression like, ah, I'm going to go out and catch Pokemon. I'm like, yes. So that, that matters so much for people to be able to see themselves in games. And I think I think we're getting that more, especially as it, it, it's both together, right? As people see more diversity in the industry, as, as players see more diversity in the industry, they will look at that and they will they will play more games. They will see themselves in those games. And they will think, man, I want to make games like that. And they will move into the industry as well as, you know, people who are already in the industry will see that there's this, you know, desire for more games like that. And yeah. so they will make more games like that. Like it, it, kind of feeds into itself and and even like games that prior like existed prior um like you know mortal Kombat, man there was like a lot of controversy about like hey they're not showing this dead lady's tits anymore as much (laughs) right it was just like yeah hard hard times had a really great oh god yeah so like so do you see the progress do you see it's happening do you like because because you said you're big into JRPGs and such. Like, yeah. do you see the effort being made across the board in terms of like female representation in games? Yeah, I think I think a lot of the work is being done and has historically been done by independent developers. Yeah. Um, because they traditionally tend to be more diverse um, demographically. And so they, they tend to put themselves in games more often. And so you see you see a lot of that just across genres, yeah. all over the place. Um, I think at the AAA level, there are some genres that are better than others. Um, I think, especially in the U.S., I think, I mean, the U.S. The US and North America in general, um, yeah, we've got a lot of problems right now. Holy yeah. hell. But there does seem to be a rising awareness of how we treat women in games. Uh, that has gotten better over here in the last 10 years, something like that. Maybe even just the last five years, I I couldn't pinpoint it. So it, and I am thinking of games like Horizon Zero Dawn, right? Yeah. Um, or even even Breath of the Wild, which had, you know, Link is the hero, but had a, just a really fantastic story for Zelda. Yeah. Um, that we really haven't had anything like that She was before. badass in that game. Oh, she was fantastic. I think that yeah. game is really more about her than about, you know, the guy who ran around throwing chickens at things for yeah. 60 hours, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, there, there's a lot of games like that coming out. Um, I, I, think, I think there are some genres uh, where we could stand to see a little more effort put in, but it, it's, it's all, mo- it's all creeping that direction. Again, this progress may not be as fast as we'd like, but it's happening. We're getting, we're getting there. That's what I want to hear. And, before and the we- other thing too, yeah. the other thing on there, sorry, is don't, don't worry about it. other little things as well. Like I think, I think the two that I think of is Blizzard putting Tracer as like the box character for Overwatch was such a big deal. Like, yeah, that game has men and women, but Tracer was the character they chose to represent on the front. Also, yeah. um, LGBTQ, etc. representation, fantastic. Um, yeah. Happened later, but still, she's the one on the box. Yep. And then uh, the other one that was, it was such a subtle thing. Platoon 2, on the character select, boy or girl squid, girl was the default selection. Yeah. 
She's always, always the default. default. Let's be let's be real here about Splatoon. Oh, she's, first she's off, so cute. First off, Splatoon best game on the Switch. Secondly, if you're not picking the chick, the chick, uh, <laughs> Splatoon lady thing, Squid, you're just doing it wrong. Because the like dude's that. hairs are stupid. They're yeah, dumb. The little thing. I, I always pick the chick with the two long octopus leg things. Are they yeah. tentacles? <laughs> Yeah, but but having yeah. having her be listed first like that that was such it's such a mind shift. It's like the little things, right? Yeah, and that means a lot to so many people. I I agree. I always like to pick. Usually nine times out of ten, I like to pick the female in in the game because I don't. Most of the time, like if it's World of Warcraft, I'm like I don't see a lot of awesome females. And like again, I I say this all the time when I talk about uh, females in games, but like the Blood Elf chick. The armor looks better on her. The shoulder pads aren't like this huge bulky thing. <laughs> or like, yeah, like any game, Destiny, armor just looks better. Yeah, not I, I could have like... Mess that I'm walking I could have like an hour-long conversation about why there are issues. Oh, I'm sorry, you cut out there. Say that again? I could have like an hour-long conversation with the about why it's really kind of messed up. The weird differences between the male and female characters craft it's a little weird but i also play a tauren so oh my god nothing looks good on me rebecca you're you're one of us we need to talk more about warcraft we could elemental shaman for the horde oh my god rebecca i've oh my god yes (laughs) yes i'm unsubbed right now i'm sorry no same here don't worry about it i'm I'm looking at it it's 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 the thought that counts yes god yes and you're right, armor is a little fucked up in that game. <laughs> a little fucked up. You just gotta wear a tabard, you know what I'm saying? With that, before we go, how did you meet the uh, SGDC... God, super <laughs> SDGC, God, Super Performance SDGC, I always, I always mess up. <laughs> how, did you how did you meet these fine folks? John, John, Mr. Megative on Twitter, wrote an article on, I think, and I've already gotten so many author thing, authorship things wrong today. Uh, it was on Kotaku, I believe. Um, okay. And it was about it was it was in res- God, it was in response to one of the just too many damn shootings um, here in the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. There was there was talk after that about how um, video games with guns were training children to use real life guns. And John, right. who uh, military vet, um, fantastic human being, yeah. has experience with military guns. And wrote an article about why that was not true and why they were different in just so, so many ways. It, fantastic article. Yeah. Um, he doesn't he doesn't normally write. Um, he's he's podcast guy, but he he did that article and it was it was really really incredible. And I read that article and so I followed him on Twitter because he had good things to say. And I think we ended up tweeting at each other once or twice. Not nothing particularly serious. Yeah. But then at PAX West. We both ended up in the kind of funny inner website game tournament that that's, Greg Miller hosted. That's awesome. And he was wearing that Gungeon beanie. <laughs> and I went up to him and I introduced myself and I'm like, oh my God, I, I know the article you wrote. I read it. Um, and I, I listened to his podcast with him once or twice at that yeah. point. And I was like, I, I love your work. Like you're, you do great stuff. And he was like, you know, floored and I was floored to have met him and we were just he, he gives the nicest hugs too. So I got a really nice hug. And so I started talking to him a little bit more regularly now that we knew each other we sat next to each other i think after our mutual overcooked two shame happened neither of us could make a pizza (laughs) yo Uh, me and overcooked two let's talk about that i'm incompetent (laughs) so apparently are john and i um but we hung out afterwards it was really cool um i got to i got to know him a little bit and then 
little bit later, like a month later, maybe he asked me to come be a guest on SDGC. Um, I ended up coming in as a guest twice um, after that. And at the end of the year, they had a spot open and he asked me if I'd join and awesome. I met everybody else. It was, it was awesome. They're, they're really incredible. I met him at PAX guys. East and what a fine gentleman. What, what a uh, fine young yeah, they're, man. <laughs> they're all such fine gentlemen. Yeah. Really. I, I, yeah. I, I just started listening to them back in January and like what I always tell people, because I, I always, I always try to be a, a straight shooter as much as possible. Is that I'm not here going. I watch every episode, but when I do, oh my god, it's fucking entertaining. Yeah. What a what yeah. a what a bunch of genuinely amazing people. I they see really it. Are. You know, that's great. I need to have him on the show talking about mental illness, depression, and all that because that's something should. I suffer from as well. He is a fantastic advocate. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. So, Rebecca. Thank you so much. We went a little over. I'm so sorry. But with that... Probably my fault. Please, give... give, Never your fault. It's always me. Don't worry. Plug away. What do you have to plug? What do you have to share for everyone? All right. So, SDGC, Super Deformed Gamescast. Um, They're on Twitter, I believe, at official SDGC. We stream live on Twitch every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, it's about hour 15, hour, ha- hour and a half long show. And then it's posted to their YouTube channel. I think I think that one's also official SDGC afterwards. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm on that show most weeks, even if I'm not on it. It's like like we said, an incredible group of gentlemen. Really fun time. Talk about games news, what we're playing. Just, you know, yeah. fun video game podcast. Um, I also write at gamesindustry.biz, as, as we've covered. So if you're looking uh, for the latest industry, B2B, businessy kind of news and headlines, um, a lot, it, even if it sounds kind of, kind of dry, which it can be at times, um, a lot of the core like information about how the industry moves and shakes and how the games that you love get made um, yeah. kind of stems from where we're at. So give it a look sometime. You might, you might find something interesting there. We also have a lot of interviews with developers. Um, that's like kind of our big feature thing. So that's, that's fun to read. And uh, sometimes I stream on Twitch. I'm Revy B. I'm probably going to, if everyone's not too taken with Game of Thrones tonight, I'm probably going to stream some Heaven's Vault for a while tonight. But this, pro- this podcast probably won't, I don't know if this will be up by then. So you probably miss it. But I, I do yeah, stream sometimes. Yeah, will be up on Monday. Yeah. So, you know. God, he's going to die tonight on Game of Thrones. So oh, nice. I, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I'm get... like in the middle of season five. I'm trying to oh. catch up because my goal is to watch the last episode. Everybody. Oh, so I don't God. have to find out how it ends via Twitter, but oh, I don't want to know. Okay. No. Nope. Man, this show. <laughs> this show, man. Oh, no, God. I don't want to know. <sighs> it's so good. It really is. It's not as good as Breaking Bad. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> here's where I start plugging. Um, Please, if you could, rate us five stars at People Play Games on iTunes. Anywhere there's an RSS feed service helps us out greatly. You can find uh, more of my content on Bad Big Games on YouTube, where we talk about the latest and greatest in all things PlayStation. And you can follow, if you love PlayStation, you can follow the Trophy Room at PlayStation Podcast made by the players for the players that premieres each and every Thursday as well, alongside Kyle, where we talk about the latest and greatest in PlayStation each and every week. <sighs> And with that, you can follow me at Mr. Badbit if you want more updates. With all that said, with all that out of the way, everybody keep being positive, keep playing games.